Hello, everybody. Good to be with you. So I want to talk to you today about something that I've, I've actually been touching base. I've done one video that sort of worked around it a little bit, and, and I've um, done a lot of talking about it in Clarity Sessions and in Satsang too, because that's where I really work all these topics out, is uh, when I'm with them with some advanced students that have a um, you know a certain level of understanding and insight and um, I can bounce higher <laughs> what do I say I can bounce loftier ideas off of them and get them in the air and then I can hear them and when I and when I hear them it rings true or false and when I when they ring false I drop them like a hot rock when they ring true I, I continue to dance with them until they do not uh, feel like um, they are true. So what's been occurring to me is that our, our reliance on Eastern level, Eastern models of awakening. So what's, what's been bugging me is our reliance on Eastern models of awakening. <laughs> and it's not, I mean, I had, you know, I, I, my own thing. Well, I'm actually, my, my first big time uh, Western teacher was Eckhart Tolle. But he was, but that's still, that's still something of an Eastern model. My, this teaching that I'm doing is, is, Comes, you know, it certainly has roots in Advaita, has roots in Zen, um, it has roots in the Eastern model. It balanced out somewhat by some Western philosophy and stuff. But I think that this teaching is a little bit different in some other ways, and that's what I believe to be of paramount importance. A lot of times, because, because you can't separate Indian philosophy, for instance, and Indian culture. You can't separate Japanese culture from Zen. You just, you really just can't do it. It's, they're, it's just, they're just too firmly ingrained. Um, and the, the Indian model is, I mean, it's just incredible, the, 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 how it permeates everything. So, These models tend to be quite reliant on people like me, spiritual teachers, um, gurus, Zen masters, whatever. And But the teaching that is done here is done to free you from dependency upon this teaching or any other. It doesn't mean that you, I mean, you might stay with me for 50 years. That's fine, as long as you're not restricting yourself to whatever I'm coming up with, right? Because ultimately, what we want to do here is we want to run what you're doing up the flagpole. We want to see what it is that That you, what's what it is that's going on in your life, in your mind, in your spirituality. What's in most importantly, what's going on in your experience? That's the key. 
Because, see, when we're reliant a lot of times on these, you know, and, and listen, I love some of these teachers to death. So I'm not running anybody down in any way. I'm just raising a little question. When we put teachers on a pedestal, we don't do them a favor, and we sure as hell don't do ourselves a favor. There's no teacher who's ever lived who was not a human being, far as we know. There may have been some that people attributed to being other than that, but let's look at that. You know, when when we have someone really, really, um, who really does a lot, it gets very, very, very popular in a in a given, um, like in Hinduism or something, uh, Vedanta, then we'll come to call them an avatar. And, you know, in an avatar, like you have a, like you have a, an avatar in a game, which is a stand-in for you. And here on Earth, an avatar means um, God that has essentially um, taken flesh. Like to, they wouldn't use that term, but to Christians, Jesus is essentially an avatar. For many, many Buddhists, don't think that he's not. For many, many Buddhists, Buddha is an avatar. And the problem with this, or you know, Ramakrishna, people like this. The problem with this is that that puts enlightenment over there. See that let that that guy got enlightened. That person over there, they got it. I don't I mean, I, I hope I'll get it someday, but I'm probably never going to get it like that. The way that guy got it. And what that's doing is that's, I'm shirking the responsibility for my own clarity. And I say this as consciousness, as conscious awakeness. And I say this as the jewel of Indra's net. In other words, somewhat from a character standpoint. The, we use the character. We don't control the character directly. There's no direct control here between ourselves and a character. But there does appear to be, I'm not saying that there is, but, I'm, but within the dream, there is influence. There just is. It may not, it may not, I can see where it doesn't hold up philosophically, but I'm not really talking philosophy right now. I'm talking practicality. And, and I love philosophy, but, but the, we get caught up in debating these ideas and these concepts and we can and, and and what you can do is you can avoid experiencing the things that you're talking about by just continually talking about them and then you get this wonderful wonderful head full of non-duality but you're still suffering like hell that's not much of a win as far as i'm concerned i would much rather you know nothing about non-duality and have a full, rich 3D life, if you will. A life that's simply imbued 
with non-duality. My wife is a perfect example of that, is that Betsy knew nothing about non-duality when she met me, but she was living non-duality. And she just had she had no concept of it. It made her head hurt. She didn't she didn't even like me talking about it. But I could see clearly, man, there's something going on with this woman. <laughs> and I I had better words, but she had more presence for for a lot of years there. It just that's the that's the truth of it. But then that sort of combined in 2010 when the living method started pouring through here and, and so she woke up on a on a conscious level on a different level. She actually woke up instead of being uh, skillful on consciousness. So we gotta get away from the idea that enlightenment is over there. We got to get away from the idea that that it's somebody else's ball game, because it's not. It's yours, you know. And I mean, yeah, yours. And when you come here, use me as an aid, but don't turn your spirituality over to Fred. Occasionally, I will get a client, and that client will. Um, Feel, will uh, basically uh, just shift their spirituality over to, they've hired Fred to do it, right? And and they'll talk to Fred once a week or something like that, and that's great until it isn't, but it's not going to hold. It's it, when, when I have two kinds of clients, I have the ones that are very easy to talk to and the ones that are very hard to talk to. And the ones that are very easy for me to talk to are the ones that, either have been with me a while or I assume are gonna be with me for a while. The um, the ones who are difficult to talk to I know are either gonna there's gonna have to be a watershed event or it's gonna be short-lived because I'm not taking over your spirituality for you. I'm not running it for you. And you can't use me, because I'm nothing to put on a pedestal. Don't Just don't do it. It's not a favor to me. It's not a favor to you. I, can, I sense very often when I'm with somebody that they are actually with their projection of Fred. And, and that's, to some degree, that's true with everybody. But I mean where it's a really sort of a distorted projection. You make me out to be better than I am. I'm not a saint. I'm a sage, and there's a world of difference. Not every saint is, by any means, is a sage, and I would go so far as to say very few saints, uh, sages are saints. Where the sage is more likely to be have a little bit of a of, of the rascal in him, and that's certainly the case here. Hell of a lot more of it than I would. Then I would choose if I were gonna if I were out choosing units, and I say that of course, as Fred the unit because consciousness already chose this unit. It really doesn't care. It it really just does not care what kind of what kind of vehicle it uses. But when we put when we use these Eastern models, we can also get we get firmly entrenched in what enlightenment looks like. I got to tell you this morning I was reading a. Uh, the Ashtabhakra Gita, 
and I have the Ashtabhakri Gita. It's been important to me for years, and I have it in several different translations. The mor this morning, the translation I was reading was by Ramesh Balsikar in a book called Duet of One. And Ramesh is a good writer, very good writer. He's um, and very clear, and this Duet of One is a good book if you're interested in probing the Ashtavakra Gita through the eyes of an awakened being. But when I read this this morning, I have to tell you, and this doesn't, I'm not saying this about Ramesh or his translation, I'm just talking about the words. I've noticed this in other translations as well, is that it just goes too far. You know, it just gets so excited. The writer gets so excited about enlightenment and what it is that he writes himself I assume it was a he just who knows the uh, but the writer who whether he or she they write themselves out of the experience of enlightenment while they're writing the book in other words you can see that there's no possible way that these phrases are coming up from a mind that has not experienced awakeness. But there are descriptions of it of enlightenment there that were not written by an awake mind. It's just that simple. And really is not. Who knows? It, it may have been this may have been flowery stuff that was added. I don't have any idea about the history of these sutras and all this stuff. I just know what I read. And I you know I try I, and I but I don't trust sutras and I don't trust any transla particular translation of a sutra. I find the translations that I like the most and who knows if they're the most accurate. But they do the most for me. That's all that really matters. But I don't this teaching doesn't come from scripture. I mean I'm a very avid reader as you know, but this what happens here doesn't come from books. I mean what we're talking about here comes from my experience. Period. And that's the benchmark for everything that happens. And it's the should be the benchmark that for everything that happens with you. If if this teaching to you is completely out in La La Land, go find another teaching. There should be a pull toward a truth, even if you don't understand what we're talking about very clearly yet. That's okay. But there should be a pull, an inner pull, where I don't know what they're saying, but I know it's true. <laughs> That's a good place to be. The it's better than being I know what they're saying, but you know, but I but I'm not experiencing awakening. That's a tough place because what you're doing, and this is all there's nothing personal in this. It all has to do with oneness, but you know we'll we'll. We'll play it as it lays, the way it looks. And so, you know, because you, then you've got a person's... Because people will tell me, Fred, I understand what you're saying, but I don't, you know, but I, but it's not part of my experience. I understand what the books are telling me, but it's, but it's not my actual experience. And what I'm telling you is, is that that's a, the sure indication that you don't understand what we're talking about. As hard as that is to believe. And that's, I know that's no fun. Because a lot of you non-dual scholars there that, you, you know, that just got it all, except for the part that counts. 
see? Awakening itself is the only part that really counts. And awakening itself, because, because awakening itself, it's, not the, it's the end of seeking, but it's not the end of our spiritual path. And it's re really what it does is, is awakening gives us access to a new level of understanding, a new level of communication, a new level of spirituality, period. It just changes, the, it just changes everything. Until a person is awake, they can only understand one part of my teaching. You can't fully understand my teaching until you're until after you're awake. That's the truth. I teach primarily to those who have already awoken. So it or awakened or whatever the word is there. But I don't. I mean, I'm not trying to ignore anybody else I, because this because see I, the mountain can't the mountain can't come to Muhammad, and that's the truth. I can't, quote, dumb down what I do in order to help you understand it and get this little thing to where you move a little bit further in your progressive movement toward awakening. That's the surest way to screw you up. And granted, there's an apparent progression. But in truth, enlightenment itself is like that. And it's off our own. It may not be seen that clearly and profoundly at the beginning, but in hindsight, it will be viewed as that way. Because that's where you, you've finally gotten hit with the fact that there's no character. And where you're coming from, you're coming from a character-driven brand of spirituality. You can't not come from it. But when you come from it from a traditional model, the, the rungs on the ladder that they offer you, more of them are leading down than are leading up. Because let's just face it, the idea that, well, yes, you know, you can, uh, yes, you're, you're pretty awake, but you're not like me. I mean that's just that that's just come back bait, right? Come back and come. It's just enlightenment bait. Come come back here and and stay in this lineage. Stay in this teaching. Listen to me, and maybe one day you'll get where I am today, and then I'll be somewhere else. And you know that may or that may not be true, but it's not. But it's not ultimately true. Absolutely not. And that's not my ultimate wish. What I really want you to do is I want you to surpass me. And I really do mean that. I don't want this teaching to, to have had some kind of little bubble and then die down. I want my students to to teach this and surpass it. And, you know, and how do you teach this method? My, get in line with the rest of my students. You can find out how. I don't, it's not a process of A, B, C. It just doesn't work like that. It's a, it's a, it's a process of you clearing. 
It's not a process about what you do in order to wake people up. Hopefully you're, you know, this method will offer you many, many tools, but hopefully you're going to develop some of your own. Otherwise, you're just building another one of these traditions. And there doesn't need to be a living method tradition in the sense of Zen where we're, or something where we're passing on um, Dharma, where we're passing on uh, we did pass on Dharma. I can't I can't re really recall the word that I'm trying to say, but there is a perfect word for it. I just can't think of it. It's where we're passing on set teachings. as and, and this is how you do it, right? That's what I don't want. That's what I don't want. Because the this is how you do it blows the spontaneity of what's happening here. And what's happening here is strictly spontaneous. Because, I mean, trust me, Fredness has got no idea how to wake up anybody. It's got no idea how to give a clarity talk or, 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 or hold satsang or anything else. What Fredness knows is that it earns its living doing this, and if it, par it better park itself in front of the computer when it said it would. And when it does, poof, something happens. And sometimes it's very slow and smooth, and sometimes it's very fast and sharp. And sometimes it's a combination of those things in a, in, a, in a clarity session or even in a satsang. There are things that happen in those personal meetings that, that simply can't happen here. Just get this. This is not a spectator sport. If you want what I want, if you want what I've got, do what I did. Don't get lost in the philosophy of the, or who would do it or that if I do this, it will just reinforce the idea that there's someone here. That's coming from a character's point of view. And I'm trying to get you beyond the character's point of view. Don't get lost in the philosophy, the, the verbiage of non-duality. Come to the experience. That's what separates this teaching from many, many others is that it's very firmly entrenched in your experience. Not my experience. I teach from my experience, but you learn from your experience. You, because you learn and see, you, you, can, you can run your experience alongside mine and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I see what he's saying there, and that sounds more true than what I've been doing, or what I've been thinking, or what the belief I've been holding. See, the thing is, is that what we want to do, what every character wants to do, is stand upon its assumptions and reach to the sky for enlightenment. But enlightenment's not in the sky. Enlightenment's underneath the assumptions. Enlightenment is in the mud. As I said in the, in the, in the, in the last uh, one of these videos, is that every lotus has its feet in the mud. And we go to the mud, not to the sun. 
We don't have to create enlightenment. We don't have to add anything in order to, quote, achieve enlightenment. All we're trying to do is, is unachieve unenlightenment. <laughs> I swear to God, that's a really accurate statement. That's what we're trying to do, is we're just trying to unachieve unenlightenment, because that's where we're stuck is we're stuck in unenlightenment. Or if, if even if we've woken up, then we get stuck at points. Uh, we get stuck in our own things, which is, I, I just don't believe that. Okay, that's fine. You don't have to believe everything I say. Fine, test it for yourself. Don't, you know, question everything I say. That's what I would do. But don't dismiss it until you have investigated it. There's something in recovery along that lines. Which is where you reject something prior to its investigation. Investigate what's here on your own. And that's what I mean by that. I can't take responsibility for your, your awakening. Neither can anybody else. Even if it's bhakti. Even if you're involved in a bhakti sect. You, you know, where, you're, where, where it's just devotion to the teacher or whatever. That teacher is not, cannot save you. The only thing you can do is abandon yourself so much through love that the character disappears. And there's just boundless love. And it's not, and you find out that that turns out the teacher is everything you're looking at. That the teacher is everything. I had a client this week, a woman in Britain who's just doing wonderfully well, and she said, uh, you know, I find that, I, she said, I write you lots of emails, but I don't send many. So because I find that when I sit down and I write you that you're with me and that, and, and that you're, and you're so clear in my mind that the, the answers simply arise. And and what she's just doing is she's, and, and, and it's wonderful, and the guru is always there, but notice that she's got her own answers. She runs it through here because there's still a little bit of, there's enlightenment over there. Because there is greater clarity here. But she's not she's not using me to wake her up she uses me both literally and figuratively to clear her up. But we all, but but we are all the same thing. There's just one thing going on. You've got all the answers. But what I have is the questions. <laughs> I'm not an answer man. I'm a question man. You've already got all the answers. What we have to do is tear into those damn sacred assumptions of yours and tear them apart. And the problem is we get involved in, in any of the wonderful traditions, the great traditions, the, the less than great traditions, whatever it is that we get involved in, we get it, that they tend to narrow us instead of expand us. And that narrowing can be very good. You can constrict something until, boom, it explodes. I mean, that's what monasteries are built around, is that same concept, restrict, restrict, and then you get the, the, the explosion of awakening, you know. But 
where the kind of like an atom bomb, isn't it? You're compacting this thing until man, it splits and get a big boom. Smaller level, that's sort of like what's happening here. But if you get too caught up in the teachings and the trappings, you just you just can't be clear. You you, you can wake up and 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 you can go back to sleep. Now, what's waking up and what's going back to sleep is not that character. It's awakeness itself. But it will feel to the character that I had an awakening and then I lost it. And if you're at that place, we need to talk. <laughs> That's the truth. Because I can probably get you off that place. Can't promise it. Can't ever promise anything. We we get here through a process of continual opening, through continual surrender. We all want that one big sweeping awakening. We all want that one big surrender. Oh, I surrendered and I've been clear ever since. Well, I don't know that that's coming from a great deal of clarity. Be perfectly candid with you. The because if there's not a if there's not a growing clarity, it means the character's not continually diminishing, and the character not stepping out in one in in one afternoon. <laughs> He'll step out, but he pop right back in. We got to surrender again. We gotta get that we gotta get that character used to the door out. It's not used to doors, period, it just lives inside. It lives inside you, so to speak. We have to get away from character centered spirituality. And what I'm telling you is that much of what happens in the great traditions, much of what happens in most of what's or a great deal of what's, I'm not going to say most, how the hell would I know? But what happens, I mean, I can read it, I can see it, I, I know it happens to a great degree within uh, what, what I, what's being practiced in America. I can see it's not true. I can hear it. It's, you know, it's, it's follow me. And I'm not telling you to follow me, I'm saying come to me. There's quite a difference. Come to me and step on my shoulders and keep going, man. That's what this is all about. Not about, the journey is not about the destination. It's about the journey. The journey of post-awakening is an endless journey. Within that journey, if we get too restricted to specific models, one of the things that we can do is we also begin to adapt their beliefs. And, their, and, and, and here is where, where, where culture steps in. And on one hand, you might have a very rigid structure, which is it happens just like this and, that, and only like this. 
and then you have a less rigid in practice, but more rigid in the verbal teachings or the, the written teachings. They're more restrictive. People wake up and they think they're supposed to want to just sit down around their living room and do nothing. Now I can't that's just what I feel like doing. I mean there is a there is a there is a little desert there that many of us will visit shortly, but I'm not I'm recommending that you that you don't live there. Not and it feels like, well, how can I not? I mean, after all, there's no one here to make the decision, and that's absolutely true. Nonetheless, see, it's not, it's not, it's, that's absolutely true, and do it anyway. That's what I'm telling you. Do it anyway. Don't ask why, do it. Now, why? But so to get, in order to gain clarity, that's why you do it. But the specifics of it, who cares? We can get lost in the idea that, you know, the only thing that we need to renounce is our thoughts. I don't need to renounce my job or my family or my home. If I'm, if I'm rich, I don't even have to renounce that. I just have to renounce my thoughts in order to be free. Now, once I'm free, I may make a whole set of different set of, of decisions, but I've noticed that really that there's still a lot of the same old decision-making taking place here. Nothing, no decision that I make in my mind is actually affects reality. But it may play out within the dream. I made a decision to sit down and do this video. Did that actually count toward that video happening? In my experience, yes, it's made quite a difference. It's the difference between my doing it and not doing it. So does it matter that this is just my experience? How do you say that? That's like sitting around the campfire and saying, well, that's just a grizzly bear, <laughs> right? I mean, you can't, it's just the dream. You can't do that. You can't dismiss it. Well, you can, but you're not living in reality. Reality is not the either or, it's the both and. You're not the vastness or the little man, you're both. Well, that's 35 minutes. <laughs> I don't know what I've said, but I've said it for 35 minutes. I think that's probably about enough. So stay in touch. I hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.